That's awesome. Yeah, it's re- it really isn't what happens to us in life. It's, um, it's really how we respond to what happens. And, um, and what, the way we respond to what happens depends on whether we look on that which is seen or that which is unseen. And I, I thought about that uh, story of Paul. The last two chapters of the book of Acts, if you want to read that one day, one of these Sundays I want to go through that story, the last two chapters in the book of Acts, about how Paul was put on a ship, you know, and he was, he was going to head to Rome. They were taking him to Rome as a prisoner. Jesus had appeared to Paul and said, Paul, you must testify of me in Rome. So he knew he was going to testify of Jesus himself and his work to the emperor himself. And they put Paul in a, in a ship with other prisoners, and they were taking him to Rome. Those last two chapters of Acts are amazing. The story of what happened in the shipwreck and everything that happened. But the thing that made the difference in Paul's life, as compared to everybody else in that ship, was that he saw the unseen. And he sailed through that difficult time, and uh, those with him were blessed too. Because he brought word from the unseen, from the, from the goodness of God that encouraged everyone there. And they saw the hand of God. And that's who we are. We are sons and daughters of God. Who don't, who are not uh, tossed to and fro by what is seen. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. And you get the feeling when you read those two chapters in the last two chapters of Acts. You get the feeling that Paul, who's supposed to be the prisoner in this situation, is really in charge of the situation through God. It's awesome. Through God, he is actually, you know, even the wind and the storms and the shipwreck, none of that overcame him because he was united to one who can still the storms with a word. And you can see it in the two chapters. It's awesome. So anyway, just be encouraged to, to take a look at those two chapters. One of these Sundays, I'd, I'd like to look at it. I think also it's there... I think that story is there in the last two chapters of Acts as an allegory also. I think the Spirit is saying something allegorical there, even though, even though it's a true event that actually happened historically. But remember how Paul wrote in the Galatian letter, he said, Abraham, Abraham had two wives, Hagar and Sarah. And he said, these, are, these two wives are an allegory. These are the two covenants. And then he explained what that picture was, the Old Covenant, New Covenant. And I think when you read those two chapters in Acts, you'll see an allegory, I think. A hidden message in there to the body of Christ. That if you stay with what Paul has proclaimed, you'll make it to the end. In terms of, you know, the church itself will be blessed in a general way. In a general way. But if you don't listen to what Paul has said... See, so, and what Paul has said in his epistles about the finished work of Christ is the message the church needs to hear in this generation. So look at it also as an allegory. As Paul said, you know, take heed to what Paul has written. It's a message to the church in our generation to take heed to what Paul has written about the finished work of Christ. So that even though it looks like the ship is destroyed, 
Not a single life will be lost. And there'll be an an expansion of the kingdom of God in, in the latter days where on that island they had healings and they had manifestations and great favor was upon them at, on that island. It's a lot of stuff hidden in there about the church, I believe. A message in Acts that spans the ages and that last story. There's a reason why there's so much detail in the last two chapters of the book of Acts. There's a lot. Paul had favor with the centurion. He had favor with the prisoners. He had favor with the soldiers. He had favor on the island. He had favor, favor. Even when they got him to Rome, he had favor there. And the soldier who was assigned to guard him allowed him to stay in his own private quarters. Favor, 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 favor. God's favor on us that the message might get out. And no matter what the the trouble, he'll bring us through. It's an awesome hidden message in the last two chapters of the book of Acts. So just, you know, when you get a moment, look at that and pray. Read it carefully. It's, it reads like a movie. It's awesome. Just, just, just get up in your best favorite chair with a cup of coffee and, and enjoy the movie of the last two chapters of the book of Acts. It's awesome. Read it, read it slow. Absolutely, absolutely, and he shook it off. He 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 lived in the unseen. He was not afraid. He had no hint of any condemnation, and so that even when the snake would bite him, he would shake it off into the fire. And those who saw that, because they lived in the superstition and religion and the scene, their immediate knee-jerk response was, "Oh, he must be a murderer. He escaped the storm." But fate has taken care of him. And then when they saw him, you know, not harmed by the serpent, and those, those natives knew what kind of snake that was. They knew that, that he'd die in a few minutes. They said, oh, he must be a god then. And they were wrong on both, you know. You always get it wrong when you live religiously, superstitiously in the scene. You always get it wrong. And, um, but anyway, that's exactly right. That's what happened. So there's a lot there that would encourage us, I believe. Lord, we just thank you so much for helping us see the unseen. No matter what we go through in life, you said that we can be of good cheer. In the world, we shall have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer. Because you have overcome the world. You are the seed to whom the promise was made. And you have come. You are the anchor that goes beyond the veil. That we might have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the reality. Thank you for the goodness of God that we have. God before us, who or what can be against us? Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I, just, I want to share a few thoughts about that, about this thought that in Galatians, let's take a look at it real quick. In Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, chapter 3, let's start with um, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. What I am saying is this, verse 17, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, Until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Okay. The other morning I got up and the first thought that came to me from the Spirit, just just out of nowhere, kind of half in dream, you know, dreaming and half waking up. And that phrase came to me. Until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. The law was given temporarily. In fact, it, was even, it, wasn't, it wasn't even instituted until 400 and some odd years later after this promise was given to Abraham and to his seed. Not seeds as many, but one man, one person. We, know which is, we now know who is the Christ himself, Jesus himself. And it, it was to last. It, that law, that covenant of law was to be there with Israel on a temporary basis until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. See, saints, from God's perspective, we, we struggle sometimes with this whole issue of law and grace and, you know, what's law, what's grace, and what, are we under this, are we under that? See from God's perspective that he never, never intended the law or a covenant of law to be something for you. It was only to be for the Jewish people and only for the Jewish people on a temporary basis. It wasn't even for the fathers. As the scripture says, the fathers were strangers to the covenant of Sinai, the scripture says. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 and some odd years later, this covenant through Moses on Sinai was cut with the Jewish people as they were brought out of Egypt. And it was only to be for them until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. From God's perspective, 
It was a temporary thing in a temporary time many years ago. Over 2,000 years ago, God has ripped that veil. 2,000 years ago, He never intended you to worry about whether you should be under that or not. He has always intended to give everything to the seed. Always, God has intended to all the promises were never meant to be given to you and I directly. They were always meant to be given to one and one only. One only. All the promises of God were given to one. One man. One. The Son. And He intended to sum up all things in Christ so that He would be the fullness of of God bodily on earth and that all that is in heaven would flow in him and through him. He would be Jacob's ladder where angels would ascend and descend on him. He would be the door to heaven. He'd be the the window. He would be all things for mankind. It is not about you and I. It is, don't worry. Don't worry about your weakness. Don't worry about your insecurities. Don't worry about your failures. Don't worry about your sins. Nothing can separate you from His love now. Why? Because it was all to be about His Son. All about His Son. All about His Son until the seed should come to whom all the promises had been made. God the Father gave all things to the Son. And what God did was He did it in such a way so that when it was accomplished, when all this static was going on around the Son and resistance, and, and, and misunderstanding, and argument, he continued to march toward the call to give himself for us. He was the one that was to come. And he, he was not deterred. He, he saw it. He set, his, he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to worry about anything in your life. Your weaknesses, your sins. It was always the Father's intention not to ask anything of you. Nothing of you. But only believe. That's His heart. And so He gave, He put everything in the Christ. And the Christ who lived the perfect life became the Lamb who sits upon the throne. And so you and I now participate in all that He is and all that He has. The Spirit is given, Jesus said, to show you the things that belong to the Christ which are all things. And now that belong to you, Jesus said, because you're in the Christ. 
It is of God that we are in Christ. This is the great, awesome word that changes everything. It is the word that if you believe on this one that God has given all the promises to, this one who has, been, who has received the kingdom from the Father, I have received all authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth. This one who has been given preeminence in all things, the word made flesh. If you believe that this one who became man and who lived the perfect life so that he could be that lamb without spot, so that he could take our place in judgment, this hidden wisdom that the rulers of this world did not understand or they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If you believe, if I believe on this one, the seed to whom all promises were made, And seek not your own righteousness. And seek not to fix yourself. And seek not some other door to Father. Then you shall receive all that this seed has accomplished for mankind. It is... The exchange that we've talked about that's so clear in Scripture. He became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's why Hebrews says we have this anchor. This work of the seed of the Son. Such an anchor that goes beyond the veil. Beyond what we see. A finished work. After he purged us of all our sin, he sat down on the right hand of God because it's finished. He sat down. This anchor of the soul is there in place. The hidden, mysterious new priesthood of Melchizedek that was foreshadowed to come, of which Levi was a shadow, but not the ultimate priesthood because it was not the ultimate seed. This Melchizedek was placed in the heavens as our high priest with an oath of God. Not merely with his word. These are the two things. That are un changeable by two unchangeable things in that it is impossible for God to lie not only did he say with his word you are my son a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek now what that means is this seed would take our sin away by one death, by one sacrifice, for all sin, for all people, for all time. You are a high priest forever. 
That's the word of God. And since it's impossible for God to lie, that should be enough. That should be enough. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, when God speaks, we can rest. But God, willing to show you and me the unchangeableness of His purpose, we who have fled for refuge to Him so we wouldn't be discouraged, that we might have strong encouragement, the Scripture says. He interposed or He added to His Word, which God doesn't have to swear to anybody. He's God. It's impossible for Him to lie. He can just say it and you can believe it. But He wanted us to know that this seed, this one after the order of Melchizedek, has so eradicated your sin, so taken care of anything between you and the God of the heavens, that He interposed with an oath. And He said, because I cannot swear by anyone greater than Myself, I swear to you, He is your High Priest. Forever, and I will not repent. That's God to his children. He is your high priest, and I will not change my mind. I swear it by two unchangeable things, and that it is impossible for God to lie. He spoke it, and he swore it by his word, by his mouth. So that we, no matter what storm we're going through, no matter what the enemy would accuse you with, no matter what little thing is bothering you about your own sins, your own weakness, your own flesh, your own tribulation, your own struggles, your own um, fears, no matter what it is, the seed has come and came 2,000 years ago. And all the promises of God, all the promises of God are now yes from God and amen from us. Yes, amen. Yes, so be it. But they're yes and amen in Him. The seed has come. There is no need to even think about being under a covenant of law that was added 400 and something years after the promise was given to the seed, to Abraham, the man of faith, and to the seed. And we are the children of Abraham because we believe. Therefore, the seed, the work of the seed, is to our benefit. And if we belong to Christ, if we are in the seed then we are in this blessing, this promise. What was the promise to the seed? Everything. 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 Abraham was referred to as being an heir of the world. Everything. Heaven itself, everything, the throne, everything, everything, everything. The Father gave the Son everything. And now, because we have believed on the seed, 
we too are made righteous through the work of the seed and the Spirit comes that we might receive the promise through the Spirit because the Spirit is, the, is God Himself. It's the presence. It's you in Him and Him in you. So that all that was promised to the Son is now in you and you in Him through the Spirit. That we might receive the promise of the presence. That we might receive union. That we might receive what the Son had. That we might receive all things in the Son. For as Jesus is, so are you now in this world. All because of the seed that was to come. Paul said in his letters, it's God's eternal purpose has always been to sum up all things, to gather together all things in heaven and on earth in Christ. It's all Him. We don't have a covenant between us and God directly. The only covenant that exists in the universe is a covenant between Father and Son. And He has accomplished all things as a man. He came from the Father and He went back to the Father and sat down having accomplished all things. It's a completed covenant between Father and Son. We get into that covenant by being placed inside of Him. And that is the miracle of new birth and new creation. For we are raised from the dead, dead once in our flesh, in our sins, God who raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before, a new creation joined to him, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, placing us inside of him. Paul says, know you not that you have died, your old man died, and your, your life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. This is what the Holy Spirit in you and I wants to open our eyes to. This is the main work of the Spirit to show you the deep things of God, to show you the things that are freely given to you and I in Christ. Awesome. Yes, Carol? Now, the Muslims can't say Abraham father because he said Abraham's seed, like we are supernatural. Right. It couldn't come. Isaac couldn't be born. And it was all supernatural. Totally supernatural. No works. No no trying to be qualified. No, totally. Any religion, all religions miss what God has done unless they see it's all in the seed. Even Isaac's life was a shadow, a type of the seed, in that he went 
to die. And yet, a substitute was provided that he might live. A picture of God raising him from the dead in type, Hebrews says. So even his life was a picture of the seed that was coming. But that's it. That's exactly right. It's, it's uh, from God's perspective... The Father wanting you and I to have strong encouragement. He didn't just say that this one has taken care of everything. He swore. He swore. God, King of the universe swears to you and I so that you won't worry. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. He's, he's, he, what, a, what a great God. What, our God is so good. His mercy is everlasting. His loving kindness. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. Oh, don't worry. Oh, child, tossed to and fro by everything. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I tell you the truth. I have removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. I swear, I swear to you, I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. You didn't have to swear. It's over. It's over. It is Finished. An anchor of the soul. Look at the Father's heart that we might have strong encouragement. Don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you, give you, give you the kingdom because of the seed. Because the seed has come. Oh, Christ. On that Christmas morning, no wonder all the angels showed up myriads and myriads of angels appeared to those shepherds the seed has come glory to God in the highest peace on earth goodwill toward all men the father in the fullness of time has brought forth the seed Rejoice, men of all nations, for we bring you great news, glad tidings, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, house of bread, a Savior 
which is Christ the Lord. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The seed has come. Oh Lord, oh Christ, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see the simplicity and yet the profound work you did. You swore to your children so we wouldn't have to worry. I swear and I will not repent. Everything is finished. If it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. Amen.